hot. I don't know. <laughs> really glad that you're here. Um, Thanks, Barry. <laughs> um, so uh, it's yeah, boy, I'm feeling free today. So the the, um, <clears throat> the the question isn't whether God can handle me free. The question is whether you can handle me free. Um, so let's just talk for a while and see what what happens. Um, this morning, uh, I I asked the Lord, like I do every Sunday morning. I asked the Lord, what are you doing today? And um, just to be honest, that's my way of saying to God, if you don't like what I've worked all week on, this would be your time to speak. <laughs> you know, like I, I know I'm set, uh, but, you know, now that I've got my stuff worked out, what would you like to do? And um, I'm just going to be, you know, it's, it's straight honest. I, I, I said, Lord, what do you want to do this morning? And this is what I heard the Lord say. It wasn't a voice outside my head. It was my own voice. But I knew it was God speaking, and he said, it's my day off. No. I said to God, what are you doing today? And God said, it's my day off. And I'm like, Lord, I have a few theological problems with that. But just going with it, you know, I said, well, God, what do you, what do, you do on your day off? And the Lord said, I hang out with my friends. So I thought, you know what God wants to do here this morning? He just wants to hang out with his friends. Um, and what that says to me, as a guy sitting up here and looking out at all of you, is that God's uh, really, really glad that you're here. I mean, his heart is overflowing with the longing desire to be here in your presence. We make a big deal about the presence of God in the vineyard. I mean, it's, it's, it's a value, you know, where is it? The value over there, presence of God, it's a big deal for us. There's lots of scriptural warrant for that. Without God's presence, what can we do, you know? Exodus, Moses says to God, well, how would, how would we be any different than anyone else unless you go with us? And the Lord said, I'll give you my presence. But the cross exemplifies the fact that God will do anything to be with us. God will do anything to be with us. And as the vineyard, we're a hungry people, right? I mean, we're people who are after God's presence. We'll do anything for God, right? Many of us will drive miles or get on airplanes to go where God is doing something because we want the Lord's presence so much. And I think that the good news for us this morning is he feels the same way. I mean, this is not a joke. Jesus is dying to be in your presence. I mean, that is the cross. That's the incarnation. That is God in heaven saying, you know what? They're dying without us. The only way they can live is if one of us dies. And Jesus comes and he lives a perfect life and he shows us what life connected to the Father looks like and then he gives himself freely on the cross. And according to the Bible, the reason Jesus gave himself freely on the cross was for you. I just, I wonder what we could do to make that more real in our lives. It was for you. If you're an English person, for you, singular. Not just for you, you know, like, oh, some of us feel like we squeezed in on the end, right? Well, Jesus died for a bunch of people and we're kind of tagged in on the end. It's a lie. It was for you. 
Second uh, Corinthians five. It says this, and you don't 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 put it up, Mike. I know I have it, but don't don't put it up. Just listen to the good news here. For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all. That's the good news. One died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Paul saying we saw Jesus in the flesh. And because Jesus came in the flesh and died, all died. We died. You, your old self, died when you met Jesus. And so, though you're all out there with bodies, right? We're not going to get weird and mystical. You're all out there with bodies. You're different people if you've met Jesus. You're new creations if you've met Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. It's a past tense. If at some point you came to an altar or went face down or laid in your bed or went to a mountaintop and said, Jesus, the burden of my sin is unbearable. The Bible says you died for me so I wouldn't have to pay the price for this sin. Jesus, save me. Then you are a new creation. God has reconciled you to himself. It means you were an alien. I mean, you weren't just a little weird. You were an alien. You were alienated from God. Your sin got between you and God. And then you cleaned yourself up so well. Start to laugh now. (laughs) No. No. How many of us could clean ourselves up well enough that God would say, good, now you're acceptable? Man, not a single one of us. So the scripture says that God reconciled us to himself through Christ. This means, I mean, the, the, the Bible says this is holy from God. This was completely God's action. If you've been brought into the kingdom of God, you had nothing to do with it. Praise God, you had nothing to do with it. Because if you had something to do with getting into the kingdom, you might be able to have something to do with getting out of the kingdom. And you can't do it. Because God reconciled himself to us in Christ. I wonder, uh, just because I'm feeling all friendly and bold here this morning, I, I wonder if there's anyone here this morning, I mean, you're just sitting here and you're recognizing, I, I don't think I've been reconciled. I, I mean, I, don't, I just don't think I've been reconciled. I don't know what you mean, Jesus died for my sins. I mean, if, if we can't share the good news of what Jesus did right here in church, where are we going to do it? <laughs> right? So I wonder if there's anyone here this morning. You worshiped, you came in, but you, you realized, just, man, I don't know God the way he's talking about. Would, would you let me know that? Is there anyone here this morning? Just raise your hand.
if that's you. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Anybody. Okay, so here's a serious piece of good news. We've all been reconciled. So we've all, we've all been reconciled. We've all been rescued from our sin. And so I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you've been rescued by Jesus, you are now a part of the rescue party. Right? You've been drafted into the army of God. The next verse in 2 Corinthians 5 says this, All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Just let your mind be blown for a second. Here's what Paul is saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit. God, in Christ, did this awesome work. And though you were apart from God and could never reach him because of your sin, Jesus died for your sin, took every single one, everyone from birth till death, the ones you did, the ones you forgot, the ones that happened this afternoon, the ones that happened an hour before you die, every single sin, God outside of time took them. They're gone. That's why Paul says in Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We just determined we're all in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation in the room. That's a great place to be. There's no condemnation in the room. If you're feeling condemnation right now, you have the authority to tell it to go back to hell. Because that's where it came from. We broke chains here this morning, right? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are a free people. I mean, that's the good news of the gospel. We're a free people. It was done wholly by God. We were passive participants in our own salvation. I know that just doesn't ring true for a lot of us. It's like, you know. But just read the scriptures. We are passive participants in our own salvation. The Bible says this. God reconciled us to himself. We are the recipients of that reconciliation. And he did it through Christ. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And Paul's thinking, like just in case they really don't get this big word reconciliation, he actually defines it right here. Not counting people's sins against them. That's reconciliation. So for those of us this morning, I think we determined all in Christ, there's no condemnation. We have been reconciled. God is not counting our sins against us. So you came up this morning and you announced a bondage in your life. It's tied to sin. And you came and you said, but God, this is where I'm bound. This is where I'm stuck. And figuratively, you know what the Lord said? I really don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I, that's, that, that was the thought process of God. I don't know what you're talking about. That one, I'm not counting against you. What about the next time I do it? Oh, not that one either. But what if I fall back? Oh, not that one either. But God, I don't think I'm, oh, but not that one either. God, not counting his sins against us. 
I think sometimes we are so afraid of our own sin that we fail to fear God who reconciled us and isn't counting the sins against us. So let's not be afraid of sin anymore. Okay? And don't hear cheap grace, all right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying sin is not to be feared. Jesus already conquered it. It's already conquered. Do you have to get up tomorrow and worry that you will fall back into sin? No. Jesus said, I reconciled you through Christ. And I'm not counting my sins against you. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Second time in the passage that Paul says, and God gave you this ministry. It's completely the work of God. He did all the saving. He did all the redeeming. He did all the reconciling. He did all the righteousness. And he brings us into the kingdom and he says, guess what? Now that you've received the good news, you are a good newser. You get to go give the good news. You know, gospel means good news. And someone who gives the gospel is a gospeler, a good newser. You are all good newsers. So Paul goes on. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Okay, I normally don't do the whole repeat after me business, but you know the Bethel people were in and they got me all stirred up and I can't laugh like them. And you know, so at least I can do this, you know, just for fun. So I'm going to read it and then we're going to read it together. Okay, I'm going to read it first. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now together, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Maybe just one more time. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Can you imagine that? Like think about that. Okay, just think about your life for a second. Okay, stop. You can't take any more. Because it was awful. I mean, our life before Jesus, our life before we recognized the good news. I mean, how many would just admit it was hard? It was bad. It was ugly. How many of you would like to show the film of your life before Jesus here on a Sunday morning? That should just do what it does to me. (laughs) Gives me the serious heebie-jeebies. And God saw it all. And he knew it all. And the Lord Jesus says, oh yeah, those sins? Actually, (laughs) I'm not counting those ones against you. Those kept you far from God, but now I've reconciled you. I've brought you back. And not only are you in the family, you give the news of the family. We're Christ's ambassadors. I mean, that's got a royal ring to it, doesn't it? We're Christ's ambassadors. We don't know much about ambassadors. I don't think we deal a lot, you know, I mean, we have ambassadors to the world, but, you know, it's kind of an honorary post in the United States, I think. I don't think it was an honorary post in the time of Jesus. When Paul was writing his letters, I don't think it was an honorary post. I mean, you've got people trying to take over the world. You've got messages to proclaim. These ambassadors had to have authority. These ambassadors had to know what it was like in the kingdom for which they were speaking. These ambassadors had better been with the king or they couldn't give the words of the king. 
Can you imagine a king saying to a mere person, you, you got my good news, Mary. You got, you got my good news. Not only am I not counting all of your sins, you didn't have that many. <clears throat> not only am I not counting all of your sins against you, but you get to go announce to the world, God's not counting their sins against them either. I mean, what is more fun than giving free stuff away? Like, what's more fun than that? I spent six years in sales. It was the wilderness of my life. Okay? I'm no good at selling things, you know? Like, I, I wanted, I, I, I just couldn't do it, you know? What I can do is I can give stuff away for free. I'm really good at that. That's why I'm a pastor. Because the gospel is free. And I think sometimes when we hear this, we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. You know, and we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. We think to ourselves, we are God's salesmen. Oh, it doesn't say that. How many of you are really thankful? It does not say that in the Bible. We're not God's salesmen. We're not God's marketing department. We are not God's website or business card. We are God's ambassadors. And what we come with is this message. I was a sinner. And now God's not counting my sins against me. And it is so awesome to be free in God's presence. I would just like to announce to you, so can you. We have the message of freedom. We're ambassadors for Christ. So when you walk out of your house into your neighborhood, God is making his appeal through you. Okay, but I'm just going to be honest. As soon as I say that, you get nervous again, right? Well, Mary Lou doesn't, but I do. Some of us get nervous. Oh, God's making his appeal. I hope I don't screw up the words. Right? What if I forget the Bible verse? What if they saw me kicking my dog last night? What if they heard me screaming in my house? Let's just be a little bit more real. What if they saw me at the bar? What if they saw me in the cubicle at work? What if they know that my life is still imperfect? Won't that discredit God? And I'm just here to tell you the good news as it's found in the Bible. God is making his appeal through you. Now, listen very carefully, okay? (laughs) Because this could be really messed up. I am not encouraging you to sin. Okay, Paul says, when we sin, grace abounds. And then he asks the logical question, should we sin more so we get more grace? And in the Greek, I'll just give you the fun Greek word, may it never be. May it never happen like that, that we would sin to get more grace. Grace came because of sin. We don't sin to get more. But your sin is an example of God's grace. So you don't have to go do it for grace to come. The reality is you're already pretty good at it. So you don't have to be afraid that people will see what your real life is like. That's why you can go to, to them and say, it's good news. But you're imperfect. That's what the good news is. But I saw you, I know, that's what the good news is. God's not counting that sin against me. That's how free the gospel is. 
The gospel is scandalously free. Scandalously free. So free that God would give it out through you. I mean, that's how free it is. So free that the enemy can't think of anything else to do but to make it really, really hard for us. So the enemy comes. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Oh, you'll miss it. Oh, you'll screw it up. And you know what Jesus says? It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free to your neighbors because God did it. It's free to the people in your school because God did it. It's free to you because God did it. He reconciled himself to you. And so Paul says, we implore you. I mean, Paul's saying, we beg you. Please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin, that was Jesus' life, no sin, to be sin for us. God the Father took every sin of the world placed it on Jesus on the cross and every single one was taken care of. Not a sin left unpaid for. Not one of your sins left unpaid for. Not one of your neighbor's sins left unpaid for. Not one of your spouse's or your children's sins left unpaid for. Not even the sin of that person who abused you left unpaid for. That's scandalously free. And it's the news that we announce. I mean, that's our news. As ambassadors for the kingdom of Christ, it's not God's coming to get you. It's not, you know, make peace now before the army comes to kill you. It's this. God has reconciled the world to himself. Would you like to be reconciled to God? That's the good news. And that's it over and over and over and over in the New Testament. So maybe that's the one thing we got to get right, is that question to our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and those who have abused us. Would you like to be reconciled to God? That's the appeal. That's the appeal that Jesus is making through us. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And you're probably thinking, it couldn't possibly get any better than sins not counted against me and freedom and I'm on the team and it's not sales, it's giveaway everywhere I go. But this actually makes it better. Because not only were we alienated, not only were we stuck in sin, not only did we get the whole sin of the world, you know, infused into us when we were born, not only did Jesus 
take our sin, that's atonement on the cross. But even better than that, God has justified us. Paul says, because of this, because all of that sin went on Jesus, you now have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Your minds are free to be blown. (laughs) How often do you get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It, it feels awkward. If it wasn't in the Bible, I promise I wouldn't say it. But Paul's declaration is this. Because he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our account, we now can become the righteousness of God in Christ. Walk through your neighborhood today with a sign that says, I am the righteousness of God. And we will see you in mental health this afternoon, right? But it's true. I mean, it is true. And so the people look at your life and they say, it's not righteous. And you say, but that's the amazing thing about it. Is that though my life isn't perfect, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. There's righteousness all over me. When God looks down on me, he sees righteousness, perfect, holiness. And we get to tell people about that. Susan, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Unbelievable. I mean, not especially because it's Susan. But isn't that the point? We get to say wherever we go, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I can't save you. It's just I've been clothed in righteousness. And all I can do is give it to you. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. That's evangelism. That's evangelism Jesus style. Just give it away. Just give it away. In um, the communion servers, can you come forward? Because I'm seriously thinking about ending. In Luke chapter 10, it's where Jesus sends out the 72. You familiar with that passage? He sends them out. And actually the text says Jesus was preparing to send them to all the places that he himself was going to go. I love that. So Jesus was planning to go to these places. And he said, I'll just send my ambassadors first to go there and tell them the kingdom of God is near. That was the message. Kingdom of God is near. And so... Um, It's this part in Luke 10 where Jesus says, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, you know the next word, to send, to send workers into the harvest. Okay? That word, send, it's made of two Greek words. Ek means out of, and balo, believe it or not, means to throw. It means to throw. So when it, when it says, Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest, the picture is this. Ask God to toss them out there. It's the same word used for expelling demons all through the New Testament. Same exact word. So Jesus is in effect saying, you know, th- there's a harvest out there in your neighborhood, where you work, where you live, in your family, in your kitchen. There's a harvest out there. And Jesus says, just ask the Father to expel you into it, to thrust you out into it, 
to toss you out into it. And you know what? God has answered that prayer. That's, where you, that's why you live where you live. That's why you work where you work. That's why you go to school where you go to school. That's where you, why you shop where you shop and work out where you work out. Because God has expelled you. He's thrown you. It's like a, you know, a, a, an Andrew Luck. You're running toward the end zone, about to catch this touchdown pass from God so you can deliver the good news to your neighbors. It's free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the freedom of the gospel. Jesus, we don't have the words to say. We don't have the words to say how thankful we are that you became sin on our behalf, that we might become God's very righteousness. We don't understand it, but I ask for grace and power to comprehend it and to live out its reality so the whole world might know that God's not counting their sins against them. Thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.